Welcome, one and all, to the TPM podcast. This is Michael speaking. TPM is Theology of Plain Men. We are a group of guys who get together and talk about topics from the Bible from a a non-theological pastoral way and just have a conversation about topics from the Bible and how they affect our everyday life. Uh, I am joined today by Mr. Matthew Almquist in Nick Schleife. Uh, Nick, how's it going, man? Going pretty swell, Michael. Pretty swell. Pretty swell. You sound like a surfer with that talk. I He's... wish, man. <laughs> shred some, shred some gnar out by the, out by the bay. Oh. Is, th- is there, uh, is there any oil down there in Houston that you can surf on? <laughs> uh, probably. If, if not oil, there's always uh, a couple benzene spills a year that you can uh, <laughs> probably shred. <laughs> I, I wish I was actually kidding. I'm not kidding. Uh, oh, oh nervous man. laughter from up here. <laughs> But I, I wish you guys could see Nick. Nick, can you describe your uh, T-shirt to our listeners right now? Oh, I would love to. Um, sponsor of today's podcast, hopefully, is this gift shop um, <laughs> close to the Johnson Space Center. It is a collection of four dogs that are all wearing different spacesuits. Um, and I think it says NASA, Houston, Texas on the bottom. Um, currently in the top five of my T-shirt rotations. So to all of our listeners out there, please go to Texas Souvenirs on uh, Bay Area Boulevard. Just kidding. I don't know where it is, but uh, but actually Texas Souvenirs, if you're listening and would like to sponsor this episode, um, we would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Nick. To clarify, we don't have sponsors, but we would Yet. love one if you're interested. <laughs> zing, 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 zing. Hit a like, hit subscribe, please. Thank you. Matt, how are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm so good. I'm just happy to be here with you guys. But, uh, I you know we're we're still in COVID. We're still in the somewhat levels of shutdowns. We can have two of us here in in uh, the recording studio. Um, but we we cannot have three. So Nick, uh, thanks for going virtual instead of coming over to Zach's basement. That was mighty nice of you, not to uh, have to drive up from from Texas up to Minnesota. Yeah, unless we get those uh, those fat sponsors um, who will fly me up to Minnesota every episode or fly the whole crew and all of our equipment down to Texas. But uh, those will be the days. Those will be the days. Those will be the days. And and uh, yeah, Nick's at NASA down there. And Nick, did you did you recently see how Virgin, uh, the Virgin companies launched a rocket off of a 747. I think that would be an, an interesting thing. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't. Whoa. That's All right. Neat. I'll just do that shout out to you and for our listeners. Go check it out. It's the maybe the next way to launch satellites into space and eventually launch things from high altitude. The whole space elevator idea. Ooh. <laughs> that could get you from Texas up to Minnesota pretty darn quick. Yeah, Richard Branson, if you're listening and want to sponsor the podcast, uh, <laughs> slots open, please. So Nick is really poor. <laughs> Actually, just the TPM podcast. Yeah, I was say poor. we're the poor ones. <laughs> let's, let's be real. How old is our soundboard? Zach said it was like 40 years old, right? Yeah, at least. There's I one channel so- that I'm not supposed to touch because it puts the whole soundboard on a fritz. So. <laughs> I, th- I hear that soundboards age like fine wine, so I think it's really just starting to get into the best the best age of its life. Yeah. Yep. I'll take your word for it. As, as I just alluded to, I'm running the soundboard. This is my second time ever running the soundboard and Zach's not. So 
Um, I'm not a sound guy, Zach is, but he trained me in enough to be dangerous. So, yeah, I'm sure for a collector, this board might be very, very interesting. Uh, Nick, what are, what are we what are we thinking about talking today? Let's talk about sacraments. Um, let's talk about sacraments in the context of a series we've been doing called Topics We Take for Granted. Um, the series, the, the idea behind the series is just to talk about topics that are common, um, common in the Christian worldview. And the reason we're doing this series uh, for two reasons. One, um, topics, topics that are common and we can have maybe misconceptions or we don't quite remember or maybe even have solid beliefs about what they are, what they do, what they are like, why we do them. Uh, for many different reasons, um, as well as things that are common, I think sometimes we can lose sight of their beauty and their importance and their function. And so that's kind of the idea behind the series. Um, I believe this is the last episode we'll be recording in this series today focused on sacraments. Perfect. Thanks for that intro. And we will kick it off over with Mr. Matt Almquist here. What is a sacrament? That is not a word I use every day. No, it's not. It's not a, use, a word I use like ever. Um, so, right, we're, we're theology of plain men. None of us have a, a master's of divinity. We're not pastors. We're just normal dudes who are um, getting together and, and trying to encourage each other to, to keep learning, keep thinking, and um, understanding more about God. Uh, so, so, yeah, sacraments isn't really a normal word in our vocabulary, but my attempt to define it by using several dictionaries and people who are much smarter than me, um, uh, a sacraments essentially, it's a religious rite um, ordained by Christ that uh, is a symbol of God's grace to us. So um, some people would even go as far as to say it's, it's more than a symbol, but it's actually a means or a way to access or receive grace. Um, so... Uh, going even further, the Heidelberg Catechism says that um, sacraments exist to point us to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as the only ground for our salvation. So, there, uh, yeah. Well, sacraments equal sacrifice. That's Ooh, what I just got out of okay. that. Is that okay. what you got out of that, Nick? I like it. All right. Before I let him talk anymore, because that was going down a bad path. <laughs> Uh, in in the Protestant uh, tradition, there there are really two sacraments that we observe. Um, the first being baptism, and the second being communion, or um, some people call it the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table. Um, in other traditions uh, or faiths, um, there there are some additional ones that um, are sometimes recognized. But in terms of this conversation, um, we'll really consider the two baptism baptism and communion um, to to go into. So. Um, why, Michael, Nick, why, why are these things important? Why do we take them for granted and, and what should they actually mean to us? Yeah, baptism, uh, such a big topic. And Nick, you can, you know, jump in here at any point, but uh, we've been talking as we have quarterly meetings. Well, we're going to try to have quarterly meetings uh, with TPM and we've done a really good job through COVID of meeting up and, and talking about how we want to run this. But uh, one thing with these series is we hope to run more series in the future. And I think baptism and that concept of, and all the ideas around it of infant baptism, when does somebody get baptized? What What's the correct method of baptism? Uh, why does baptism look different at different churches? 
why do churches have membership tied to baptism? What you know, what's the history of baptism? All those things I think we can unpack at a much deeper level in a dedicated uh, series. So to our listeners out there who want to hear us throw darts about baptism and, and talk about all the points around it, keep listening. We're going to get to it in the in the weeks to come. So I'm going to deflect baptism there uh, to Nick. Do you have any points to bring up about that? And we can maybe, I would like today to unpack communion a little bit more because I think that is one that we take for granted. Uh, a lot of churches have big baptism celebrations, but communion and the Lord's Supper is just something that happens once a month, twice a month, uh, every two months at different churches, and it just happens, and a lot of people take it for granted. But, Nick, just to, to give you the mic here, any, any thoughts on baptism um, before we maybe kick over to communion more? So many thoughts, Michael. I should probably save most of them for future episodes, um, leave our listeners on a bit of a cliffhanger here. Um, but I will, I will agree that um, I think there's enough, um, there's enough about baptism in Christian culture and how different churches deal with it and what it represents, what it means that, well, I think diving into that at a later time is probably the best thing to do. But I will say that it is important. And the other sacrament we'll be talking about today, communion, also is important um, and one thing I just want to highlight as we jump into maybe reading a passage we've talked about, about communion, is one part of the definition that Matt said that I clung on to. I believe he said in part of the definition that sacraments or, are ordained by Christ. Um, if not, that the exact words, uh, something synonymous. And that's something I want to focus on as we dive into talking about more specifically about communion today and baptism at a future time is that sacraments are ordained by Jesus. And so in the, in the things we celebrate and the ways in which we reflect on and engage with these sacraments, I think it's important to distinguish that um, they're ordained by Jesus for a very specific purpose. Um, and that, that sets them apart from perhaps other traditions that, maybe we come up with in our own mind. Like if I want to make my own sacrament, uh, it doesn't really work like that. Um, it won't have the same meaning as sacraments given to us by Jesus. And so just wanted to point that out as we uh, jump into communion. Great, great point, Nick. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a key distinction between sacraments and just a, you know, a tradition or a practice. Um, ordained by Christ, there's power behind these sacraments because of what they symbolize. In, in baptism to kind of tie a knot on that for today but yes much more to come is it reminds us of the death burial and resurrection of christ and that's what baptism s- symbolizes going from death to life and it was a a, a thing practiced by uh, generations through the old testament and then we see it in john's baptism and then the different baptisms in the new testament and that is the sacrament of death to life and, and how beautiful that is. So there's power behind sacraments. They're ordained by Christ. Okay, we do them in churches. They resemble something greater. Going over to Matt now, let's focus in on one that is taken for granted. Communion, the Lord's Supper. Talk to me a little bit about what that is, how you've seen it in different churches, how, you, how you've seen it played out uh, at other churches that you've been to. Give us Give us a few points here. Yeah, good question. So um, I've attended a, a fair number of churches in my life, and each one does communion differently. 
Um, I think everyone I've gone to at least does it. I, I wouldn't know that any of any that don't. Um, so it is really widely recognized in any tradition of faith within Christianity. Um, this is, uh, I, I'd be pretty confident in saying that this is a sacrament that's recognized um, because it's so clearly stated um, both by Jesus in the, the Last Supper and then by Paul in 1 Corinthians. Um, but but generally, it's just you, at some period of time, you go into church and you take bread in some form and you take um, wine or grape juice or some, some liquid and you observe the, you essentially remember Christ's death and his sacrifice for you um, as a means of exactly that remembrance um, as Jesus uh, commands us to. So we'll get into the verse in a little bit, but um, I, so growing up, it was once a month for me and it was uh, very, very formal and it was the elders passed you your communion and it was a very um, directed and liturgical process. The church I go to now, Hope Lower Town in uh, St. Paul, it's it's very less formal. Um, you know, our, our first uh, communion that we had as a church when we launched, we, we had uh, little pieces of bread um, from the grocery store and we had blue Gatorade because we couldn't find any grape juice. So we had bright, like, neon blue Gatorade to take with it. Um, but but it, it still did the same purpose. So I, I think every church does it a little differently. So, so that brings up a, a funny point, maybe, and a point that people wonder when they go to churches. And I, I will note here, too, we just... We're going to have other other times to talk about how different traditions and denominations look at communion. Uh, so we'll, we're kind of pushing that off this as well uh, for the really topic of today. But but maybe to answer a, a more humorous question is why Well, don't you have to use wine? Don't you have to use grape juice? Some, but why do some churches use water, wine, grape juice, blue Gatorade for that matter? Um, what's what's the reason behind that? If anyone's wondering. Um, I, I think it's it's really when you dig into what Jesus said in the Last Supper, it, it's he's talking about you, you do this in remembrance of me. So you, you get behind the the point of what he was saying. He wasn't he wasn't saying that, um, you know, you have to follow this exact recipe in order to receive grace, um, at least the way that we would interpret it as uh, as Protestants. Um, you know, we, d- we don't believe uh, you don't actually, I'm going to save that for that future podcast. So I won't go into the distinctions, but it's really about remembering God. Do this in remembrance of me. So it's taking time to reflect upon yourself, to reflect upon the sacrifice. And, you know, if you're doing that with Gatorade, if you're doing that with milk and a, a cheese, it, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think it really matters what it is that you're, you're taking it with. It's the process of um, remembrance that is really what Christ calls us to. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. The remembrance and the, it's the symbol. Um, Nick, you mentioned that that this is ordained by God, ordained by Jesus. Uh, where in Scripture do we see that happening? Um, do you have anything that you can point us to as kind of a, a definitional scriptural statement around communion? What's something to look to for that? Certainly. Thanks, Michael. Um, one passage we can look at um, is... 1 Corinthians 11, um, verses 23 through 26. And so this is um, this is the Apostle Paul um, quoting Jesus as Jesus instituting the Last Supper um, right before his crucifixion. Um, so you can find a similar, since it's quoting Jesus, you can find um, his direct words in the gospel accounts. But starting in verse um 23, this is Paul saying, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. 
Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, and so this is one passage that is um, reflecting back on Jesus' words, Last Supper. Um, one reason I mention this passage is that I guess the Lord's Supper as a tradition, um, even for the early church, was perhaps a little confusing of what it was, what it meant, how to do it. Um, and this verse in 1 Corinthians is, is related to the early church and how um, Paul was seeking to remind the church of what the Lord's Supper is about. And so in doing that, he quotes um, Jesus' words from the Last Supper. Any other uh, reactions, thoughts to, to this passage? What jumps out to me right away, I think that's the, the phrases that people who have been in a church really recognize is the do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my cup. Uh, this is my cup. This cup represents my my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, I, I think the interesting thing, and I love that you brought up First Corinthians eleven and went there, just because I think it goes right to taking things for granted. Um, verse the next verse, verse twenty seven. Uh, if our listeners have a Bible or Bible app, really encourage you to look at this section of scripture. So verse 26, as Nick was closing, there was for often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of, um, excuse me, shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. And verse 28, but a man must examine himself and in, in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Matt, those are heavy verses thinking of, of phrases like uh, in an unworthy manner man must examine himself I don't think I should be taking this for granted what, what do you think of those phrases and those verses well you know if, if we read that every Sunday when uh, <laughs> or every time we took communion I, I do think you'd approach it differently normally we do end um, with verse 26 but we, we don't go on to, to fully think about the, the depth of what we're doing so um, it's it's a form of a warning here is that you do have to take this seriously and you you really can't take it for granted because um this is a, a direct command from god as a way of remembering him and in a sense if you do that passively or without um without care without considering it um that's i mean that's like slapping god in the face it's saying jesus you died for me uh, I, a, a hellbound sinner who hated you and who was running away from you, you died and you saved me. But, you know, I, I really don't have to remember that because I'd rather just get this over with and get on to the football game or do something like that. I mean, how unbelievably disrespectful. Um, and, and so it's a warning that this is something that has to be taken seriously. And I mean, it has been, you, you look at different, I mean, especially non-Protestant traditions, it, it is maybe to different degrees, even within Protestantism. But I'm thinking of also during the Reformation, um, there were some people who took this unbelievably seriously. They split churches over it, um, and they would they would 
in public kick people out of their churches if they believed that they were taking the Lord's Supper without reviewing it and, and who were living in sin. Um, it was a form of church discipline if they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a heavy topic. Um, so I, let's let's maybe answer a few practical questions. And then I would like to ask all three of us, myself included, and in, in mainly you two and hear your points of how do you view communion? And, and to be a help for a listener out there who's either a newer Christian or, or not a Christian, just checking it out. So let's ask this. If I'm not a Christian and I show up at a church and they're practicing communion that Sunday, what should I do? What do you think, Nick or Matt? I'll, I'll take a shot. Um, I I mean, it, it's tough. You said a new Christian, right? No, if oh. I'm not a Christian. Oh, if you're not a Christian. And I'm just checking out a church. What do I do? Yeah, you you, you don't take the communion. So um, I should be a Christian to take communion. Yeah, yeah. I, why, I, why is that? <laughs> I, I want to be careful, and I, I want to quote scripture here instead yeah. of quoting church tradition. So yeah, no, no, I, you're, you're right on. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm a product manager by by job, and the reason I get paid is asking customers, why did you say that? Why did you say that? Uh, so I just did that to Matt and I, I shouldn't have, uh, but what do you think, Nick? Why, 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 why do you need to be a Christian to take communion? What's the, what's the biblical answer to that? Or, or, or what are your thoughts there? I can, uh, I can offer a few thoughts. Um, so at the, uh, the churches I've gone to where communion is offered, um, it's pretty clearly instructed that, um, if you're a non-believer, um, not a Christian, um, just to let the cup pass and to uh, maybe sit and observe others um, partaking in the sacrament. I think the um, probably the main idea in my mind is of why um, non-Christians should not take communion is is based on uh, the passage we just read in First Corinthians 11. So Jesus says, when you do these things, do them in remembrance of me. Um, and then in the verses we just read right after that, it says everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So in communion, it's, it's really not just an act of walking and eating and drinking. So this is a, a time of reflection and in serious understanding of both yourself. So to observe, examine yourself as well as to remember Jesus. And it's not just to, to think about Jesus in that time. It's to remember uh, his death on the cross and not only his, his death on the cross, but also you as a broken person, a broken sinner, realizing that, um, it is both true that, um, Jesus is Lord and he lived a sinless life as well as you're a broken, broken person who's sinful. Um, yet at the same time, Jesus's death is offered to all people. And as, as someone who is a Christian, a believer, in Jesus's life and death, you are partaking and accepting this offer that Christ has. And, um, and then in my mind, fulfilling this, this verse, this command to, to do these things in remembrance of him. Yeah. Per, yeah. Perfect. I, I think that that helps me clear it up a lot is maybe simply put, if you're not a Christian, you, you, the, the works of Christ just don't matter to you at that point. Cause that's the, 
um, go back to Heaven and Hell or the Gospel podcast on this, but but if you haven't accepted the Gospel, it doesn't matter to take communion uh, because you don't believe the things that happened there. So I think that's maybe the simplest way that I've I can take it is if you don't believe it, there's no point to do it. One, and you can't remember the things of the Lord if you don't believe He did them. Um, that's probably the the best answer there. As we wrap this up about communion. And I think this is the the topics we take for granted piece too is okay, I I I I'm a Christian, I don't quite get communion, or what should I be thinking about when it says examine myself? Um, so I'm gonna leave this open ended to you too. Uh, in my myself I can take a turn here is what do you guys get out of communion? How do you guys examine yourselves and, and what's your overall feelings and emotions towards communion? I can start here. Um, my, the the church I go to currently um, actively encourages for those uh, people t- partaking in communion to to have a time to pause the pause when the actual communion is being distributed and just to just to pray to the Lord and help Him to um, just re- reveal and remind you of your sinfulness as a person. And just as a time of confession of sin, and um, for me personally, uh, time in communion at church is uh, is very special in that way. Um, not because it's the only time we can reflect about sin, um, but it is one of the times that, as a body, as a church, we all gather together and we completely stop everything we're doing and reflect on ourselves, reflect on our own position, our own actions, our own disposition towards God, which often is so, so, so sinful as broken people. But yet at the same time, collectively, we remember um, Jesus's death and not only Jesus's death, but his resurrection and his victory over sin. And as a Christian, it's hard to describe how, how much hope that provides me um, to celebrate both of those things very seriously as a church body together. I think that's a key takeaway too. Um, there's, um, there's much power in, in reflecting on your own sin, realizing that Jesus's grace has covered it. And then walking forward after taking the sacrament together into a week, into a life that is full to the brim of God's grace. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful, Nick. I, I'm along those lines and I'll let Matt finish here. Then he'll, he'll wrap up this podcast, but that's the same thing that hits my heart is I used to come in as, as a young believer thinking, okay, it's communion. I get a snack this Sunday. (laughs) That's just, and I, and I'll remember what Christ did too. And I started to think about it more and really be convicted about this, especially from some of my, my fellow guys in college of, of how seriously they were taking it. And, and I really wanted to study it more. And I looked into it and I, I've started to see this beautiful three-step thing my brain goes through now. In that moment that Nick's talking about, my, my church does the same where you pause and wait, pray, and open your heart. And in that moment, what I'm doing is it, it brings the whole week the whole month, all the worries and concerns of life in my, in, in my, uh, day to day, in my things that are stressing me, my anxiety, 
and it lays them all at the cross and says, I am remembering what Christ did to me. It brings me to the cross one. And at that cross, I see Christ there alone, deserted by God, deserted by us, beaten and put up. And I remember how terrible my sin is because it, it's my sin that he died for when I had rejected him, when I had lied that week, when I had, had not been patient, had been um, prideful and arrogant. And it shows me how bad my sin is. And then three, it shows me how far um, God went. And, and that, that shows me his love. And, and the one verse that comes to mind is Romans 2, 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and his tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? And the last step for me is repentance of that sin. I remember the cross. I remember how bad my sin is, and it leads me to repentance. And I get a beautiful moment with my Savior really reflecting on the cross um, once every two weeks. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing in my heart. and gives me so much peace. So that's that's how communion affects me. But Matt, what what are your thoughts here to close out? Uh, yeah. Those are both amazing answers. Um, things we take for granted, topics we take for granted. The Lord's Supper or the or the Last Supper. Th- this is the last thing that Jesus taught his disciples before he went and was crucified. This is his last um, hurrah uh, <laughs> before going through an unimaginably terrible um, circumstance. And, and he knew what was coming. And this is what he wanted to, to stick with his disciples. Uh, just thinking about it in, in that context alone, um, it's, it's hard to believe that we could take it for granted. And, and we do, but we, we really have to be careful. Um, this is my body, which was broken for you. This is my blood, that's what it took. It took a body broken. It took shedding the Savior's blood, God himself, to die. That's what we remember. Do this in remembrance of me. We remember that that's what it took to save us. Poor, lonely sinners wandering without hope. If you want hope this week, think about it in communion. Think about it in the sacraments. Christ ordained these things to give us grace as a form of mercy don't look by them uh, briefly. Don't don't take them without consideration. These things matter, and, and God gave them to us for a reason. So be hopeful, um, be joyful because of that. Um, and with that, we'll wrap it up here. So thanks, everyone, for tuning into the Theology of Plain Men uh, podcast. This has been uh, Michael, Nick, and Matt, and we hope that our verbal processing has been for your edification. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>